one of our show goals, um, besides, you know, just, you know, <laughs> talking about just games and whatever is like getting a more of an insight into development and that process and seeing mm. through that kind of curtain, um, because you don't hear a lot about it, honestly. Like you hear about the games, you have a couple like hero figure type developers that people just know make games or are known for specific games. But the process, I think, is is something that a lot of people love to know about, but we just don't get a lot of info. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Emerging Gamer Podcast, episode 178. This is your host, Neo Yoshi, along with Trip Zero. What's up, everybody? Uh, today, we have a very special guest, uh, developer of Battle Sloths 2025. We have Philip Johnson, right? Hey, pleasure to meet you. Hey, Welcome. Phil. Thanks for being here, man. How y'all doing? Great. We're doing, doing good. Bring out my comfy homes. We got my little kitty here, too. She kind of hangs out on the desk. She is special, special guest. This is Mishka. Mishka. Mishka so, the cat. I'll, I'll be showing, I'll should be showing her periodically, asking her questions. That's a great yeah. plug for watching this live, which we usually do every <laughs> Sunday. So follow the Twitch channel. <laughs> I, I just met the lawn, so I'm having a, having a pro, pro lawn beer. This is just what life is like in Texas. Mm, you've earned Hell it, Hell yeah. Absolutely. How's the weather out there in Texas? Hot. It's hot. It's pretty hot here. I don't like, you know, like over a hundred for like a lot of the weeks here in the summer. It was like 110 Ooh. degrees for a few days. <laughs> like, oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it can get brutal. Um, and, uh, you know, if you forget, you know, for me, like I shave my head. So, like, if I forget to wear suntan lotion or something, like it is like, oh, it just burns. <laughs> I do all right. Yikes. I mean, I work a desk. Yeah, I work a desk job, so I'm a uh, you know usually indoors. Yeah, safe for the most part. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Um, you're you work for uh, what's what's your company called? Something Collective. Uh, so I got two jobs. Um, my mm-hmm. indie studio is Invisible Collective. I'm the founder of that. I'm you know uh, one of the creators of Battlesofts. I you know I'm kind of the person that had the idea, but is created alongside. Um, I would say the, the other principal members would be Randy Greenback, Adrian Leonard, and his brother Sebastian Leonard um, as the artist. Yeah, those guys are super awesome. Um, and uh, so that's something I do on the side. And uh, I've had like interesting levels of success. Um, and uh, it was definitely like not anything I ever expected to be more than just some game that I worked on in like uh, you know my bedroom in North Carolina when I was making it. Um, but, uh, it's kind of gotten like, taken on the life of its own in some ways. Uh, we have rap songs now we have, um, you have rap songs. Yeah. Yeah. We got tons I, of those. I watched one in the trailer. Uh, I found a trailer on YouTube when I was first checking the game out and it was yeah, like, it's a, a good song. <laughs> that was yeah, probably, those guys are freaking awesome. Um, so we have two songs and, uh, you can find us on Bandcamp. We have a battle sauce band camp and all the money that goes to those songs goes straight to the artists. We are not even like in the, in the pipeline for that stuff. Oh, that's a really um, cool uh, collaborative process. right there. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, we're kind of like, Hey, like you, know, you guys are 
being awesome and helping us make these like really cool rap songs. Um, so, you know, um, we would like for you guys to benefit as, as much as possible from it, you know, be it yeah, um, absolutely. kind of a, kind of, what would you say, kind of cross promotion, but also like if there was any money coming in for, for the music specifically, then they would get to, to have that stuff. Um, absolutely. So middle Claws up was the first song we did. And uh, it was really funny because uh, I had, uh, when we started collaborating with Michael kill, I was unemployed. Michael kill was also unemployed we were just kind of like, I met him at this uh, game dev meetup in, in North Carolina. And um, he had this name, he had, I would have called the Michael Kill outfit, kind of like, uh, just like Simon Pegg and Shaun of the Dead. Had like a mm-hmm. shirt and like a tie pocket protector. Um, yeah. Kind of like a nerdy <laughs> outfit. Yeah. Um, got right on you. Yeah. He's like, I do IT and I rap. And I was, you know, he definitely looks like more like the IT person than the rapper. Um and uh yeah kind of when i got home i texted randy and i said hey like who was your friend michael um you know like I, if this guy raps i want to i just, just want to hear what it sounds like and so he sent me to his band camp and i was like holy crap like this guy made like 10 records um yeah and then i started listening to his music and i was like this is this is nerdcore because i was a bit um maybe didn't really listen to that music so much but Michael Michael Kills' um, music was really interesting to me because he he kind of focuses more on like the how how shitty it can be to be a nerd sometimes, um, and kind of you know he Something reps we can a lot all about, relate to, yeah, and you know he reps a lot about like uh, just like alienation, depression, and um, those sorts of things. And so I joked with Randy, hey, we should get him to do a rap song for Battle Slops, and Randy was like, yeah, sure. Um, as a matter of fact, like he'll probably get a bunch of his like nerdcore friends on it. And surely enough, we started doing this track and we ended up with uh Sulphur, Adam Warrock, Jesse Dangerously, Megaran, and Chesky all in this, Megaran, this yeah. battles. Yeah. Um uh, he's from Philly, so I'm sure y'all yeah. would be familiar mm. with him. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, Mega Megaran's been just a super awesome guy. Um see so that's how that's that's how that happened. Um but uh, during the day, I work for Panic Button in Austin, and um, we do a lot of uh, what's called co-development. Um, I got to work on um, Doom and Wolfenstein 2 for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, uh, so you were part of the port. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I kind of rolled on, and um, it was really funny. I just, you know, went over there, and they kind of put a Nintendo Switch on my desk, and uh, a, a dev kit. And they were like, you're working on Doom. And I was like, are you guys crazy? <laughs> well, Surprise. That, that leads me to two questions for you. Mm-hmm. They just announced that uh, the new Doom Eternal will be day and date with the other launches on Switch. Right. Is- um, I think that... Let me uh, double-check Panic Button's Twitter. <laughs> I don't know what if, if they're working on it or not. If they're working on it. I mean, we're very small. We're a very small studio. Um, we we've announced uh, Wolfenstein two. Yep. And uh, Warframe, 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 yeah. and Subnautica. And that's, I'm working on Subnautica right now. Nice, um, that's a good one. But uh, I, yeah, pr- I'm pretty sure. I think we, I think we announced Doom Eternal. Oh, I see. Uh, they worked on uh, they worked on Ruby Grim Eclipse, which yeah, Yeah, yeah. We did the port for that. I was not. I wasn't there then. Um, gotcha. So basically, like my story with Panic Button is that um, we had a very 
we had a very rocky launch with battle sloths and I was just completely out of money. I had like, I had blown all my life savings on uh, getting this game done and uh, getting this thing out the door. So, um, I think it's all good. So I, I had, uh, I had pretty much exhausted all my, all my resources, uh, getting this game, getting this game finished up. And um, we didn't really catch fire like we probably would on, on Steam. And so uh, basically I just needed a job uh, quick as soon as possible. And, uh, you know, I had friends at Panic Button. They were like, come on over. And they signed me up on a contract like pretty quick. And That's great. Nice. And now I'm with them. Yeah, they're really awesome people and very supportive of uh, my indie work. Which, uh, so you know, what do you think the odds are of getting like Battle Sloss on the Switches platform? Oh, I think it. I think it's. Uh, I think it's very possible. Um, you know, uh, I know the hardware well, and um, it's a it's a game in the Unity engine. So it uh, seems like it's a perfect fit for that platform. Yeah, yeah I agree. It is. Oh, I'd love to see it on the Switch. Um, and we're continuing to support the game, and uh, part of that work is getting up the getting up the ports and stuff. So we're updating the engine. Um, we're uh, I have like a, a second tournament branch that I'm making. Because uh, when we were at RTX this past year, I started meeting um, members of the Rooster Teeth community. And I was kind of realizing that um, maybe one of the reasons that the game didn't t- take off was that, that we were not actively engaging the community. Um, I guess after the launch, I was just super beat and tired. And um, we just kind of, yeah, I was kind of focused on kind of um, stabilizing uh, my life and stuff for a little bit. Yeah, um, sure. We had fans like trying to start up a Discord and stuff, so uh, I didn't really know what it was. Because uh, when you're making an indie game, you really don't have time to do anything uh, else. So, you know, I had my day job, but then I go home and work on Battle Slot, So I'm not really playing games online, um, right. especially because being at the computer is like just damaging to your health. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's exactly. bad, for, bad, for your, bad for your back and your your shoulders and stuff like that. So especially um, when you're working at one all day, anyway. Yeah, I don't. I don't generally don't play games on PC. I'll play games on uh, PlayStation or Nintendo or something like that. So I met this this guy who's an announcer, um, James Kirk. He was the uh, he was one of the guardians in our booth, and um, you know, the was, guardian is those are the people that help out the uh, yeah. RTX yeah. staff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm um, in Destiny mode, so I'm a guardian. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right. That's very cool guy, uh, esports announcer, and. Um, he announces for racing games in, in Britain. Um, and so we we're just joking about doing tournaments and stuff. And he's like, oh, I'd love to do that. And I was like, all right, well, if you think you can make that happen? Oh, I got cats are fighting now. Hold on a second. Uh oh, here it goes. Oh. This is dun, 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 dun. Mishka. Let it go, Mishka. Cat fights. <laughs> all right. She's off. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, I'll, you know, we'll do some tournaments and try to make some Norse for you guys. So, um, so I'm making a special version of the game that is available on, on Steam. If you just type in um, Sloth Warriors only as a beta code. Oh, nice. have to check that I was, out. I was going to ask. Um, so for people who don't know out there or haven't checked it out yet, Battle Sloth is a, a four a four player either all humans or versus AI um, shooter game where there's different elements of collecting 
pizza, pizza slices and items to bring back to your home base to win. There's a couple of different game modes. Um, what would change, if anything, for the tournament branch versus the the play with your friends at home? Um, so that's for the updating the. Uh, it's mostly because uh, there's a bunch of like match options I wanted to add, and um, the edit- the engine update isn't complete yet, so the online is branch. So. Gotcha. Um, but we added we added like a way for players to uh, change the speed of the game, so it could be double speed or one tenth the speed. Oh um, wow! Okay. We've made it so that people can select their weapons when they spawn in. We've made it so that um, you could turn up all the weapons, and you can have just a, a weapon with unlimited ammo. So you could be okay. shotgun versus assault rifle, and just yeah. everyone has unlimited ammo. So real, you don't have to worry real about granular combat options is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, just kind of like um. Just like giving people the power to um, just kind of make the game their own. Um, and, you know, uh, before we were just kind of like being like, ah, no, that's not Battle Slops. We don't want it so that people can select their weapons so everyone's equal when they go in. But now I'm kind of like, okay, well, if they want, if they want to change their weapons, it takes me like a, a few hours to put that feature in. So I'm going to do that. Um, you know, obviously spending more time listening to the fans and, and uh, you know, um, making sure that they have the game that they want right exactly yeah the kind of spawn in and grab whatever weapon is available to you it's a very battle royale kind of feel which is very in right now obviously uh yeah i mean you can still play that way if you want um but we also just made it so that uh you know you could play it like i just i wanted to kind of put some things in that would make it so that uh you know, if you were an announcer, you would have something interesting to talk about other than people changing their hats. Because hats aren't, <laughs> hats aren't like a tactical thing. But if someone's like, oh, he's going for the bow or he's going for this, this, and this, I'm like, okay, that's just something that like people can chatter about. Sure. Um, other than just like waiting for the match to happen. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so the, the, the dream. So the dream is that the, these features will be available in. Yeah, we're also working on a big single player update, which is kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like this, um, uh, kind of like a Robotron kind of game mode where you're fighting a bunch of robots, and um, it's still like the the core gameplay of Battle Sloths, but now it's, you know, uh, you're fighting. We have, we're working on like eight or ten different AIs for the game for this just oh, this nice. one mode. Um, so it should be a nice, uh, nice. It's gonna be added for free onto to the steam version and uh we'll we'll be launching with that on on ports when we get to those very nice that sounds great yeah that's yeah, awesome yeah good things uh coming in the future for battles lost that's cool yeah i think so i think like really it's the community that's um really uh, energizing us and and um letting let us know that this is the game that people want um you know because for many for for like a whole year I just kind of go home and play this and work on this game and just kind of like, all right, I don't know if anyone cares about this anymore. We're, we've been out for a year. Um, yeah. But uh, just in the spirit of sheer determination and leaving no stone unturned, um, when we kind of discovered how useful Discord could be in building this relationship with our fans, we were just like, okay, we should do this. And um, yeah, we're going to do giveaways and, and Discord and, um, find other other ways to entice people there. Uh, we, we really want to make it the place for people to be introduced to the tournament branch and say, like, this is the reason why you should come there, even though that, you know, I could just say, just type in Sloth Warriors only and you can get access to that branch. <laughs> mm. 
We want I don't know, some sort of some sort of way to entice people into that place. Well, Discord's great for for connecting and for building that community, and it's great and listening to people and being receptive to that feedback because we've seen time and time again doesn't matter if you're an indie dev or if you're a triple a studio not listening to people uh, especially in this day and age can be really damaging if if people want something and you just ignore it to to say no this is exactly what we're going to make um right. even it's not working the way that you would expect it to or that people are finding it so it's good that you're you got that two-way street oh uh, yeah i mean part of it was just that um we were just really tired like we had, you know, um, we had just like crunched ourselves to oblivion. I had like lost all my life savings making this game, and yeah, you just got just away at it. Then I was just kind of like, you know, you get a toxic attitude towards your own art, and uh, that's a really bad place to be emotionally. Um, and uh, you know, so like when people were, were making requests for the game, and just like, what am I, what am I fixing this game for? One or two people that are still playing it. Um, but I should have been doing that because <laughs> I would have been telling their friends it's a better game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I learned my lesson. And, uh, you know, it's, I think uh, my feeling is that a good game is a good game forever. So, like, yeah. if it takes a year for the game to take off, then it takes a year. So I'm not really um, the game. And we still want to, um, we still think it's going to thrive, uh, especially on other platforms, I think, that are more appropriate for that are uh, more appropriate for you know console games yeah like neo was saying it's it would be the perfect the perfect switch game 100%. yeah i mean it's really it tabletop yeah. mode and you're ready to go i mean it's really it's really typical for um game developers to do things on steam because there's no there's no real gatekeepers sure uh, which is also part of the problem is <laughs> like we're shipping on a platform that has I think I had like four or five thousand games shipped last year. I'm probably like underestimating. I think there was like seven thousand yeah. games that came out on Steam. On Steam, yeah. Um, it can get lost in the sea pretty easily that way. Yeah, and like this is why we need uh this is why we need things like Discord and the community, because it's like if we don't have a marketing budget and you know, um and fans aren't asking streamers to play our game, then like you know what I mean? It's kind of mm-hmm. Um, we need we need a community from the from the ground up to make this thing work. Absolutely. Um, stuff, stuff as I really like. Yeah, I mean, like you could probably I don't know how much it costs to pay a streamer to do shit, but you could probably pay like PewDiePie or whoever, whoever mm-hmm. whoever the kids like, mm-hmm. pay them like a million dollars to play your game. <laughs> is that really gonna make right. a difference? Because like it's you just need to be hitting the gamers. Yeah, um, and that's what's been interesting about kind of our a relationship with the Rooster Teeth community. How have um, you how have you seen that like help your the release of your game? Uh here's the thing. We realized that we weren't part of the community when we launched. And um that was that might have been why we didn't really resonate with anyone. Um yeah, because like we were just kind of we had the Rooster Teeth games department say like, hey check out this bad game battle sauce and everyone's like, that game all the way over there outside of our community? Like here's Rooster Teeth and here's us over here. And we didn't even have our own community. So you know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. so it's kinda hard to say like this is this cool game that no one's playing. <laughs> um so um when I was at RTX kind of um spoundings maybe realized that um this game people still we have people play the game at our booth for like hours they'll just 
they'll just play the game for like an hour and then I'll go to a panel and then I'll come back and play some more. Um, so I'm just like, okay, well, what's this? People still like this game. Um, and so I, what I realized is that we don't, we don't have a community and we started a discord just before RTX and now we're up to like 80 people and we haven't really been like hyping it too much. We're kind of just like setting up the rules and all that stuff. Um, so that's, that's going to keep coming. Um, but, uh, you know, like just integrating ourselves into diversity community more has been, I think, useful. Um, because now, like, they have these, uh, these city based diversity community groups. Like, there's one in London, there's one in, you know, Seattle and St. Louis and California, Philadelphia. Um, and now they're, they're like going to be bringing the game out to their, like, their game nights. So it's a great awesome. game, night game for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's like, it was just really a matter of just like um, talking to these people and saying like, Hey, you like, you want to, you want to, you want a key for the game? So you can just like play it at your game night. And then, uh, you know, now we have, well, we'll, we'll have people advocating for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's how, did how that, it works, that community. Yeah. How did that relationship with Rooster Teeth start? Like, did they reach out to you? Did, did, uh, uh, yeah, basically. Um, so we were making battle sloths independently. Right. Um, Invisible Invisible Collective, we, we put out battle sloths in Humble Bundle. And the first thing we showed it was um let's see, it started off as a game jam and then uh, I lost my job and then I was just kind of working on battle sloths while I was unemployed. I actually wasn't interested I actually wasn't even trying to be in the game industry anymore. I was just kind of like kind of burnt out on it and felt like I was done and and didn't really think that I had a place in it anymore. Um, so I was actually teaching myself how to make websites and stuff. <laughs> uh, and working on battle selfs on the side, being like, well, I think this game is fun, um, so we're going to put it on Steam or something like that, and we'll do it on Greenlight. Um, and, uh, you know, that was kind of like the, the thing. It's like, I'll just work on this game on the side and then um, try to get, like, a day job that's going to you know make enough money for, for me to realize this game. Um, and, uh, I took the first job offer I got, which was all the way in Austin, Texas, um, for a company called Maxplay. They were, they were making like a game engine. So I was a UI engineer for them. Uh, they, they shut down like a year ago, so they're not demo around anymore. Um, so when I, when we were launching the game on Humble Bundle, um, I found out about this thing in Austin called Wigos Rancheros. And it's this uh, it's this game night that happens every month in Austin, first Thursday of every month. It's at this place called the North Door, and uh, local indie, indie devs will set up their games, and then also have like a uh, just like a flagship game that they're advertising. Like the first night I went there was uh, one of like Phil Fish's new VR games. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow! So he, yeah, so he's like running around on the, the the floor uh, of this like this indie night and i'm just like looking around and it's like wow this is way different from the indie scene in north carolina <laughs> can i ask a question phil real quick um yeah do you, are, do you have to be invited to that or can you is it like open to people to bring things oh, yeah, to yeah, try it's, out just play? A, it's just a public it's just a bar um oh that's cool that's so cool. they prefer it if you ask ahead of time so that they might set aside space for you sure but sure. um it's uh it's all like it's all run by um it's all run by volunteers. So, oh, Amy, she just on the table. 
Mishka. Mishka <laughs> is running around. Um, it's all run by uh, volunteers. So uh, sometimes I'll just bring it and I'll just say, oh, if they get mad, they'll let me know. But probably not. But <laughs> it's, it was just like um, sometimes I'll just bring the game and just be like, uh, I'll, if it's a problem, I'll find out about it. Yeah. Um, so the first night we showed Shoot the, first, ask questions later. <laughs> <laughs> so the first night we uh, we showed it, it was the day before Humble Bundle. And we were a uh, what do you call it? We were a uh, humble. What do they call it again? Humble Original. Mm. Um, if you sign up for Humble Monthly, every month is like a, a special indie game. Um, that is like exclusive to that bundle. So oh, and that uh, goes under the original title. Yeah, and we so we were like one of the first ones. The there was only one before us called uh, Elephant in the Room, and so we were the. Um, and so we set up the game there. And before this event, um, the only people that had ever played the game was just mostly like, um, you know, back when I was living in North Carolina and Lloyd, I was living in this like farmhouse that my friend let me stay there for like three hundred dollars a month. Um, it's pretty good. And, uh, yeah, she she was really awesome, and she wasn't a gamer, so she. No idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't get it. Anything? Yeah, Heather was freaking awesome. And I, I were I were a lot um, very very uh, grateful to have had her in my life then. Uh, so, like, it would just feel like we had a, one of my roommates was uh, working at a restaurant downtown. So after the restaurant would finish up work, these and blossom and steam, you know, drink beers and kind of hang out, have like a little bonfire. And then these guys were playing Battle Slops. They're like, ah, oh, it's a good game. It's all cool. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, and I like games. Anyway, so this is like the first time we get to show in public. Um, and this is immediately had an audience around it, just people gathering around. And I met a lot of really cool people that night. Um, and uh, one of them was Casey, who's the lead engineer for the First Chief Games team. Who was uh, head up the head of the uh, the Ruby project? Um, so he gave me his card and uh, he said, "Hey, we're thinking about publishing indie games like yours. Uh, why don't you like why don't you drop me a line?" And uh, and so I didn't know who Rooster Chief was. So I just like left the card on my desk for two months. Oh no! Because <laughs> we let we like because we uh you know I don't i don't really watch youtubers i think the only youtuber i watch is maybe like super bunny hop or something oh he's really great i love that guy yeah, yeah I, I love him too uh so i don't really watch like let's play or or like i just didn't know rooster Chief content um so um we left that i left that card on my desk for like a few months i guess kind of part of me was like well the volver is right down the street let's talk to those guys first <laughs> uh but they had, they had too much on their plate <laughs> um so um yeah eventually we like talked to them and they gave us a tour of like the the studio area the, like, the, what the do airport. you think uh, it blew my mind because we're like didn't know who these people were and then all of a sudden we're like getting a tour of this like old airport um so yeah, like, multiple were... hangers set up set up as studios and different podcast studios yeah yeah, it was really mind blowing. Um, and then the games department had like a little, um, kind of like a. Um, they're all they're all really nice people. They they do a lot with like a very small team there. 
And so, uh, so you're going yeah, through and you're like, oh, this, damn, these people are real. Yeah, this is like <laughs> this a real, real place. Thing. So I had to tell, I had to convince Randy to be like, hey, look, this is like a really huge place. And these guys have like a huge community. Um, so, uh, yeah, so basically, like, they, uh, they said, hey, why don't you guys come to uh, RTX and set up a booth there? And we're like, yeah, sure. So they, they comped us a booth. And, um, you know, we were just kind of like, okay, well, if we're going to, uh, RTX was just this, the first time we ever had a booth at a convention. So we're like, if we do good, if we do good here at RTX, then it's a pretty good likelihood that these guys will want to publish us. So yeah, I spent like a hundred and I uh, got like a TV, like a $200 TV and stuff like that. And so we just set up and we just like rolled hard all weekend. And, um, yeah, we had, we always had a crowd. We had people staying, people coming back. Um, we're a reasonably popular game within the indie aisle. Um, so that went very, very, very well. They wanted to talk to us about publishing. That's awesome. That's was, awesome. Was That's that really last good. year or this, this current year? Um, that would be... Mm, it was RTX 2016 is when we started talking to them. And I think Got they it. started taking us... They started taking... And Comic Con and stuff. Or I was like just going to ask if you've been to. Have you decided, or what did you want to go to PAX at all? Because those I, are great, great indie booths. Great for indies. I, yeah. I, 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 I'm sure. Like, uh, I, maybe it would have been better if we had our, our, like. So I've gone to tons of conventions, and we never get like interviews. We don't really get too many interviews out of it. We get a lot of people playing the game and stuff, but it doesn't really, doesn't really like translate to media or social media engagement or inter- or like interviews or really like sales even but like people were digging the game so we know that like this is a fun game and uh it does have an audience yeah you know the product is good and has has playability and people keep coming back so just getting it as front getting it in front of as many as possible is really the, it's the move yeah, that was kind of like the the thing I kept I kept scratching my head over. Just like how come like how come we're not really like um, able to get noticed by you know, um, and then this is kind of like why I just like turning to the community. We'll just say okay, well let's just talk to let's just hang out with the gamers that are playing the game. Yeah, <laughs> and just like, honestly, the best and way to do serve, it. And serve and serve, make sure these people are served. Um, you know, um, oh, I guess I want to acknowledge that. This is a media thing. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. Thanks for thanks for coming. Oh uh, yeah, this never ever pans out. Popular, but you know, here we are. <laughs> one of, yeah, I mean, one of our show goals, um, besides you know, just you know, we talking about just games and whatever is like getting a more of an insight into development and that process and seeing mm-hmm. through that kind of curtain um, because you don't hear a lot about it, honestly. Like you hear about the games, you have a couple like hero figure type developers that people just know make games or are known for specific games. But the process I think is, is something that a lot of people love to know about, but we just don't get a lot of info. Um, mm-hmm. So it's always fascinated me. And I love hearing all the, the processes and the stories. Yeah. I mean, like I was dealing with tons of health issues throughout the entire project. And it wasn't really until like, a, like a few weeks ago that I stopped having back pain. Oh, wow. Um, so I started switching to ergonomic devices, like uh, this uh, vertical mouse here. Oh, look at that. 
Oh, yeah. wow. So you, it, like you, your hand holds it sideways, kind of, for the buttons. Yeah, I got the got this like. I noticed that when we were looking too. at Mishka. Yeah, the curved keyboard. <laughs> well, she's covered this thing before now. <laughs> <laughs> she's over there. Um, but uh, yeah, ergonomics is a, like this thing's saving my life. Like, yeah. Um, turns out, like uh, this motion here is like literally twisting your arm, and then also it forces your your shoulder into something called internal induction. Mm. Hmm. Having it just in that that forward, yeah, just like that. So, like, you see, like that. Well, you see what I'm talking about, right? I can I can yeah, feel it when I do it with my hand. If I, if I yeah, if I turn yeah, my so hand flat, you can feel the muscles. So with with the uh, with the with the vertical mouse, then I'm just like it's like I'm in a yoga pose all day. Um, but this doesn't like cut me loose or whatever. I still have to go exercise and and like do yoga oh, and stuff like sure. that. But um, now I'm actually I'm actually able to sleep better because uh, I'm not like constantly damaging. Um, I'm not I'm not doing you know extra damage to my body just by right. just by working at computers. So I'm yeah, my computer is like 12, 12, 14 hours a day. So I've got my work, and then I take a little bit of break, and then I'm hitting battle slots or something else at night. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of opportunity for just like passive damage to your body like i would say it's i would say, it's back, I would say it's back, everything i mean this is like twisting your arm like your elbow oh and the, yeah your, yeah your right. bones your bones are like there's like these two bones in here and so like when you use like a uh, standard mouse it is like literally just twisting like that yeah um so i got tons of knots in here that i'm trying to work through and now that uh, you're making you call that out i yeah, feel you're, it you're making me feel <laughs> all self-conscious about my, I'm, my just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just i'm a huge i've been a huge like uh champion of ergonomic devices since like finding relief from this this stuff like yeah um, when i first started using this mouse i uh you know I, I was like oh this is comfortable the second day i started feeling a tickling where i had this this big knot in my shoulder it was tickling. Mm-hmm. It kind of made me nervous. And then day three, like that loosened up. There's no pain there. And like my hip loosened up too. like all the, the tension that travels uh, up and wow. down my just, right side of my body. Just from um, changing the mouse you, you were using. And as I was demonstrating this to my, my coworker, a loud popping sound, as I was testing my, a loud popping sound, like came out of my forearm. I could hear yeah. it from like 10, 10 feet away. Oh my God. Some, some guys like behind his desk, like you okay over there. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna um, look into these things seriously. That's a uh, you're yeah, doing I mean, a great like, job of selling them. I say like uh, this is like twenty bucks. So like uh, I'm guessing that it might not be so good for gaming, but it might be a bit good for everything else. And then you know some people have TMI to will have TMSs. Um, I don't game on PCs because of because it was uncomfortable. Yeah, I always have a gamepad with me. So I've never seen um, a mouse shaped like that. That is. The first time I've ever seen like a like that wedge shape, mm-hmm. like a sideways just, one. Yeah, I, uh, my my friend uh, on Facebook is like, ah, I keep knocking over my mouse, and it's true. Like because of the high profile, I'll just like constantly knock it over. <laughs> um, uh, I was like, what is that? What is a vertical mouse? And she's like, you need to get one. Um, so I, I need to find one so I can game with it. So I can keep <laughs> got test AD up. <laughs> I mean, if you, can, if you can game with this, I'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'd like to, I'd like to know if people can do that. Um, but uh, yeah, the fuck the standard yeah, mouse. I mean, we'll let, experiment. We'll reach I mean, back out. We'll let listen, you know. Listen, people beat Dark Souls on DDR pads, so 
anything that's impossible. <laughs> that's a great uh, point. <laughs> I just say, fuck the standard mouse for life. I'm not not going back to that shit. Yeah. <laughs> people, people are saying like, that's not right. How can you game with that? And I just say like, I haven't played games on a PC in like five years because it's uncomfortable for me. Um, yeah. So I game on a PC. Now I can maybe maybe do a little bit of it. Things. What what kind of games do you like playing? Like on with controller on PlayStation or whatever. Uh, right now I'm playing Dead Cells and. Hey. Oof. Oh my god, it's so good. It's pretty <laughs> pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we talked about that last week on the show. And uh, I I kick started Chasm uh, compared to Dead Cells, which has such good movement. Um. Yeah. And everything, the game just lets, lets you play however you want to play. If you want to like rush through, uh, you get rewarded for that. If you want to like slowly go through and like kill the enemies and stuff, you get rewarded for that. And if you want to like explore some weird quest for that, if you want to be like a, a guy that parries a lot, we do that. If you want to use a bow, we do that. Like if you want to use traps, so it just does everything. It's so good. You get, you get spoiled <laughs> when movement is that good and options are that good in the game. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. It's, uh, it's the game that, um, it's a game that constantly bends its own rules, like the parry system. And uh, I love like the dodge roll stuff. Like I did like the double jump, and then I dodge roll, and the character just like just like Tumbles nimbly over. lands on. It just like nimbly lands on the on the ledge, and it's like, jeez. <laughs> when you yeah, play a game like that, um, Phil, when you're in it and you're enjoying a game, do you see? Do you see it like Neo looks at the Matrix? Like, do you see like the lines? Are you like, oh man, look at that object interaction? Are you like just breaking it down, kind of in your mind, or do you kind of shut that off and just try to enjoy it for what it is? You know, like I'm just gonna, I'll be perfectly honest. I tend to be like, sometimes I could be really jealous of like other indie successes and just be like, ah, like, like our game is better than this game. Like, what's <laughs> going on here? Like, yeah. um, but now with Dead Cells, I'm just like bow down. This is a freaking oh, great they game. did it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, just like, just like ready to just like <laughs> how good it is. Um, but uh, no, do I do I see like the the nuts and bolts? No, nah, not really. I'm trying to just enjoy the game. Yeah. I could I could see how I would make it, but this, that game has has a lot of polish. Um, you know, like uh, it just everything in it is just really well done and um, sure. really well designed. They obviously just had people dedicated to the com- to the movement in combat um, for just the entirety of the project. Yeah, nice. Um, well, yeah. What do we got? What else? What do we want to find out about you that we didn't? These are really good conversations. Kind of the oh yeah, I'm glad behind to. the behind the fill curtain here. Now, you, mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned being from Philly. Did you have any like development background here in Philly? Um, did I have any? background in philly uh so i live i'm from like oxford pennsylvania which is oh, like cool. chester county born in media and then uh and then we lived in we lived in uh we lived in kenneth square for like a few years in my early life and then we moved to oxford pennsylvania um actually i guess like, that's like where we went to school I actually lived in lincoln university um which is like uh historically uh, uh like uh, mostly all all black students in the the student body there, um, so we're kind of like a weird neighborhood actually, because it'd be like, you know, tons of Amish people and tons of tons of uh, students from the university and professors, and then also just like 
I don't know, just like hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, it's a great combination. Uh, it's not really. It's a kind of a. Now looking back on it, I'm kind of like that's oh, kind of like a weird place. Um, it is kind of amusing that one of the people that if, if there was someone else famous from Lincoln University that wasn't you know famous for like you know like Ferger Marshall or something, um, there's this other guy who a uh, little kid. Um, he ended up becoming a, like a juggalo celebrity. A juggalo, so a juggalo celebrity? celebrity? Yes. <laughs> um, he is the subject of this documentary called American Juggalo 2. Uh, oh my god. Huh. That's funny. <laughs> um, so um, we used to play video games all the time when I was growing up. We, I would go over to his, to his, his mom's house and um, we would play Nintendo and um, that one day he was, uh, one day he was out riding his bike along the train tracks and he got pulled under and lost the both of his legs. What? I had a helicopter, yeah. I had a helicopter come and, uh, pick him up and he went to the hospital and he's, you know, been in a wheelchair ever since. So, oh my God. um, crazy. yeah. And, uh, but he has got like 5,000 friends on Facebook and he's like, uh, he's just, I don't really know like ICP or insane clan posse all that much, but <laughs> it's very amusing having this person as a friend of mine. Uh, cause we haven't really seen it's each other in a very long time. into another world. It's like, we haven't seen each other in a very long time. And then all of a sudden this guy's like a famous juggalo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of, kind of crazy. Uh, so I think I found the right link. My computer is being weird right now. Oh yeah, it popped up in uh, Discord. Playing a juggalo, yeah, yeah. So that's that's Alex. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the jugglers too. There's just a very interesting makeup of people there. Um, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So, I, but I went to the I went to the school downtown in Oxford, and you know, kind of the only green town was you're destined to just work at a potato chip factory or something, and just kind of. I don't know. Um, it's uh, really easy for you to kind of give up on things that are ambitious, but uh, sure. our parents, our parents small are very town supportive. Like magnetism, you know. Yeah, no, like our our parents are we're pretty supportive. They always like whenever we were trying to do something creative, they're always be like, "Yeah, go do that. Go have fun. Go have a band." My brother had a band. Um, I like to make, him and I like to make like little movies when we were growing up until like the camera broke and we we're just too broke to get another one. So we oh, stopped no. doing that. <laughs> um, the forced end to creativity. That's a shame. Yeah. I think, uh, so what happened? Um, my, you know, my mom worked at like a convenience store and my dad was, a like an electrician at a, at like an air hanger. Um, <laughs> They would like work on helicopters and stuff. So um, we didn't really have any, like anyone that knew computers at the house or, you know, we're kind of like, uh, you know, working, we're a working class family. Uh, so one day I think my dad had, uh, I don't know what the heck happened. We like traded like a bat. We traded like a piano or something. And we ended up getting like an old 386 compact computer. Like just kind oh, of nice. like a tandy tandy monitor, um, and uh, you know, because I, you know, I was obsessed with, like with the Nintendo and stuff. But when we got this thing, I was like, oh, this can play games too. So mm-hmm. I was spending a lot of time, oh, yeah. 
and I'm spending a lot of time trying to like get it to get it to play games. Um, and then we got like a slightly better one that had like a color monitor and stuff. Um, but uh, it wasn't like my parents were teaching me how to use it. There was just just there, and no one else was using it. So I just like messed. Up. It was basically just being used for games um, because when back when it was like the DOS operating system and stuff, it just wasn't really like um, wasn't really useful for much else for my family anyway. <laughs> it wasn't mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be seen as useful for much, anything else really. Um, so I got like the Wolfenstein shareware, which uh, ended up being like a real moment for me a few months ago when I was um, working on the motion controls for. Wolfenstein 2, and mm-hmm. you can go to that arcade machine in the game and play Wolfenstein 3D. And it like boots it back up. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm playing the game with the motion controls that I just implemented. I'm just like, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a very special, uh, very special moment for me. Um, especially considering how powerful the narrative is in those games, um, the new ones especially. Uh, mm-hmm, so, sure. uh, I was just, uh, messing with this computer a lot. Um, like I, I know how like dedicated young gamers are. Cause I spent like three months trying to get doomed to run on this thing and I failed. I never figured it out. It just like the hardware <laughs> wasn't good enough for it. But I spent like a whole summer trying to try to like mess with it. Um, by the time we had a bad computer and other games came out. So I never actually got too much time with doom. Um, so uh, I don't really have as much of that in my my DNA as, as some others might have. Yeah. Um, because by the time I we had gotten a better computer that could run Doom, it was like time for Duke Nukem and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, oh man, those are the days. Yeah. I remember when all those uh, were coming out. So uh, let's see. I guess my my first job was I was like a cashier at a department store in in Oxford called Ames, um, which I think they're all gone now. But there might be a few. There might be have y'all might have remember a few of those, um, and uh, worked there for like a few months. And then you know my dad's like, hey, like my my boy's pretty good with computers. Why don't we just bring him in to the office, um, and he can work here? Uh, by this point, my dad had not wasn't working as a mechanic anymore. He was kind of more um, doing like he's, this is roof consultant business that he got involved with, and so he had like an office job now. And so I was there, and they were just like teaching me how to do AutoCAD, and I was like, cranking out drawings for this company, oh, um, nice. uh, unprofessionally, by the way. I didn't know what I was doing, so um, you were learning. Yeah. You were hands-on, almost the same way with the computer. You know, you just you uh, had yeah, I, in front of you. And you're I have no idea if what I was doing was illegal for them, <laughs> because like, <laughs> so I was not, I was not a trained mechanical engineer. <laughs> so like, <laughs> um, eventually. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we'll, we'll redact uh, that from the uh, from the vods after. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I mean, that was a long time ago. So um, I'm, I'm guessing really their guessing their business partners are happy with the work. Uh, yeah, right. If there's been no complaints at this point, then I think we're safe. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I, I guess in high school, I started going to a vocational school. As like, all my friends were like, thought I was kind of weird for wanting to do this, but there was this computer at a at cat called cat brandywine center for arts and technology brandywine campus uh, out in coatesville pennsylvania mm-hmm. so every morning we would hop i would have a bus and we would drive like a half hour out to coatesville um 
do this like vocational school in the morning, just mostly like computers and, and math and stuff. And then I would take the bus back to uh, tech back to the high school for like my afternoon. So kind of like, it kind of like hurt a lot of like, kind of hurt a lot of like my social development because we were just like not there in the morning where everyone else was. So like that sort of, you know, when you're in two schools every single day, it's just kind of, yeah, it's, it's not, (laughs) it's not an environment that a lot of other kids are in. So there's probably some alienation that happens, which is unfortunate for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was all, you know, also male dominated. Um, feel like one or two women in, in the program. Um, and then, you know, I didn't really, we would do a little bit of programming there, but uh, we got to do whatever we wanted for like our uh, class projects. So I think one year I did like a, did like, I did like a comic strip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another year I did, uh, we did like a text adventure, me and my friend Josh. And then uh, one year I did like a, like a level, a half-life level using like oh, the, nice. But I forget what it was called. I think it was called Forge, whatever the Half-Life One engine was. Um, and uh, that none of those things had programming. Uh, I wasn't doing programming for the text adventure. I was like writing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it came time to go to college. Uh, I went to Westchester University for about a year. I was undeclared, and um, they wouldn't let me into the computer science program because my math scores were so bad. And uh, then I was just like. I was just kind of like, ah, oh, fuck this place. Like, right. It's like, if y'all aren't going to let me into the computer science program, then I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, so I went to Millersville where they had lower standards. And, uh, I always, I always make that joke. When I, I always make that joke. My, I always make that joke when I'm uh, doing talks for my professor in Millersville and he just kind of shakes his head at me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I went to, went to Millersville and, Got enrolled in the computer science program there, and also um, started doing the college radio. Um, oh, nice! Was kind of, cool. It was just tons of fun. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I didn't really get along with people in the computer science department. Um, not that we were mad at each other or anything. It just like we're very like um, kind of people that just didn't go out and do things. Sure. Um, and so, I just kind of all my friends in college were all like English majors and musicians, and uh, yeah. and I could just see it in their face that they weren't interested in like making making art or anything like that they're just like wanting to get like just kind of like the big making jobs um, right and i kind of i was kind of like realizing that uh i was kind of heading towards like maybe a career that i wasn't excited about um so i, I actually actually added up added a second major so i started taking philosophy so i actually have a double major um and uh you know, philosophy has been been an extremely important uh, thing for me to have in my life. Um, but with, with computer science, I'm just like, I hate this. Like, this is not fun for right. me. And, um, you know, I started making, kind of like asking prof- my professors if I could just like make my own classes. Um, and I started doing independent research. Like, I was just like looking at some of the, the classes that were being offered and I'm just like, ah, I'm not really interested in this sort of stuff. Can I, can I do this instead? And right. I, if you find, if you find professors that will take you under their wing and let you do independent research, then they'll let you do that. Um, you'll get credit for it. That's great. Yeah, right. I'm sure a lot of the courses that were there were focused on like probably networks and infrastructure and going to some business and company and handling 
Uh, yeah, you know what? I should have paid. I should have paid attention in those classes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all um, the stuff nobody wants to do. <laughs> uh, so I just kind of came. I started doing. Uh, I did like one one year. I did like a synthesizer. Uh, I made like my own synthesizer in C sharp. Wow. Um, and uh, another them like I was talking to my professor saying like I think I'd rather be digging ditches and listening to the radio than mm-hmm. like signing up for like a bank stop for a job. Um, and I said that basically the two paths I set up before myself was uh, I'm going to make games or I'm going to uh, join the Peace Corps. Um, so we started doing more independent research projects. I started getting involved with, he was trying to make like a engine from scratch. Um, I was integrating, I guess at that time it was called a Gia PhysX. But it was brand new uh, then. So we started uh, putting that stuff in. Um, and then I was kind of in danger of graduating. I wasn't really quite ready. Uh, <laughs> so actually, this is when I decided I was going to get a second major and also uh, get computer science and philosophy. So I did a semester abroad, and I'm still paying for it. It was expensive. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Where did you, uh, where'd you go? London. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, um, it was amazing. So when I got there, my first week there, there was a the uh, it was like the London, I forget what it was called. It was a it was like a game developers conference. I guess my thought was that like if I go to this conference, maybe I can get like an internship. And I'm glad I didn't do that because I was doing what I should have been doing in London, which is like getting drunk with a bunch of British people and you know, <laughs> taking taking an easy taking a bunch of easy classes and stuff. Um, but I found out how approachable the game industry was there because, uh, you know, I was talking to these people. It's like, oh, I'm talking to the guys that made Worms. I'm talking to wow. talking for people from Sega. And um, it was kind of funny, actually, because every table had, like, it was like a job. It was like a career fair. So a lot of these tables had, like, pamphlets and stuff. Like, here's how you used to submit your resume. And I didn't even have one. Uh, but I would take them. And um, I go over to the team set and team booth. And uh, I was like, oh, I love, I love worms. Um, a lot of places have like cookies and pamphlets and stuff. The worms team had like just bottles of liquor, and they were just like pouring out <laughs> drinks for people. Hell yeah! <laughs> they're very like, they're very like, uh, they're pretty funny too. Like, uh, they're just like, are you really good at what you do? And I was like, I don't know. He says, he's never say that you aren't the best at what you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's good advice. Never, never, never not say that that you're. you're Good at what you do. So I didn't really get any internships or whatever there. Um, but I um, kind of found uh, how approachable these people are. And when I got when I got home, started getting involved in like the uh, local game dev stuff, um, like the IGDA, which I'm hoping still has a presence in Philadelphia. Uh, maybe not these days. Um, What's the but I started going to those meetings. IGDA. Inter International Game Developers Association. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm enough. So uh, I was, I would go to that meeting and just to give me an idea of like not only how approachable they are, but how like. So I show up at the first meeting and there's five people, and uh, one of those people was looking for looking for a programmer, and so I submitted a resume wow. and they brought me in. <laughs> um, Easy. Yeah, so like I, you know, I never got to go. To, I never got to do Peace Corps. Um, 
So I got hired straight out of college. It's like as soon as my as soon as I got my degree, I was just made my way to Philadelphia. Um, got to work on like um, kind of serious games projects for the military, just kind of like wow. educational software. And about after about a year of that, that company shut down their games department, and I ended up um, having a friend there who got hired and moved to North Carolina. And so I kind of followed him down to Redstone Entertainment, the guys that make uh, famous for Rainbow Six and Ghost Recon and stuff like that. I had not played any of those games, so when I, when I did the interview, I kind of faked it. <laughs> what, uh, like, um, what time period was this? Uh, that would have been like eight years ago, I think. So were they in the middle of like making Vegas, the Vegas games? They're in the middle of making a game that got canceled, actually. Um, um, So, like the the Vegas team was, I think, in Montreal. I think. Okay. Now, like Red Storm is, they're doing like uh, the division and and VR stuff. Uh, I don't actually know know what they're what they're working on now. I haven't been been there in a while. but when I came up for my interview, they were like, uh, what would you do to go street con? And I basically started pitching like what I did. Up. I did I'm not saying I'm responsible for this game being made or whatever, uh, but, <laughs> but it was made. But the, thing, <laughs> but the, the thing, I, <laughs> this is not what I'm saying. The, thing, the, the ideas I was pitching was like stuff that ended up like Wildlands is basically what I was saying. That should be the kind of game that they're making. They should be making the ghost recon. Um, and, wow. uh, but uh, you know, that, I was not responsible for that in any way, shape, or form. Um, it was probably uh, the guys who, um, who did uh, Far Cry actually kind of really carried that torch. Yeah. Because um, when I was playing like Far Cry 2 or 3, I'm just kind of scratching my head, being like, why isn't, why isn't Ghost Recon more like this? Doing something similar, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny that you bring that up because we. Um, We've had conversations about when similar games get released. You're like, well, what's the deal? You know, like mm-hmm. it's the same game. Why? Why do people put this out if they know that people are working on these? But then you realize you dive into the story a little bit, and a lot of times people don't. You're working in a development vacuum, and people just have similar like thought processes. If if yeah, their games is, is similar and leads to, to the same things. So. You you were on that that trend, apparently. Uh, you know. Well, I mean, like uh, I just found five Ghost Recon and Rainbow Six are super boring games. I never got into them. <laughs> they just they just weren't my kind of game. Uh, yeah. So I was just kind of like, well, here's what makes me want to play it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and so as you see, they've, kind of, they've turned themselves around today into being pretty great games, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I think that the people that are really into Ghost Recon, they've been celebrating those games for a very long time. And it doesn't mean that they, those were those were also great games, but they're just not games that I enjoyed playing. So, jeez, sure. um, uh, I guess we could talk about the Game Jam, because basically, like, about a year or two into my time at Red Storm, I got invited into the, uh, join the creative direction team. Um, so I was hired as a UI engineer, but uh, I kind of came in and I'm just going to always go over to the creative directors and like talk about ideas and stuff. So about a year or two in, they invited me to join the creative direction team. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, I'm a pretty big charlatan when it comes to game map. I'm very bad at like vector map and 
dot products and matrices and all that stuff. Um, my job in the creative direction team is to make prototypes. And uh, it was me and four, four concept artists and two creative directors. So it's very like, eventually I got rolled on to Ghost Recon Future Soldier and stuff like that. But, um, wow. But um, I would, you know, there was a, the, pro- the, the projects they were working on and that team never really like took off. So uh, let's see, years later, there was this game jam. Um, and uh, I had asked like a few of my friends if, if it'd be okay for me to be their creative, their creative director, so to speak. Um, yeah, I was having a lot of health problems then and uh, wasn't sleeping well. And um, yeah, my insomnia was in full swing. And so um, I was I was performing very badly at work, and I you know, was never really like a, a super amazing programmer. But now I also wasn't able to sleep, and uh, so it was kind of like made really hard for me to perform at work. Um, and uh, yeah, it was time for me to go. But this game jam was kind of like a last ditch effort to uh, kind of save my career there. Uh, and you know, it was uh, these guys that like gathered around and they decided that, you know, they were going to let me call shots and be like the lead developer. We were all learning the UD game engine at the same time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, I had pitched this game idea about like a rock and roll musician that kind of travels to other dimensions and, and fights aliens and stuff. And they were like, ah, we don't really like this. I could tell that this idea wasn't vibing with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Meanwhile, we've had like running jokes about slops for a while, and mm-hmm. every week we go to the same pizza place. We go to Randy's Pizza in uh, North Carolina, which uh, is a pretty solid place. Um, and so we had like a kind of a round table, and they're, I think they're they're kind of fucking with me when they did this. They're like, "Can we add slops to the game? Can we add pizza?" And I was like, "Yes, yes." And then I'm just kind of like <laughs> panic, panicking and scratching my head, being like, "How the fuck am I going to think about a game about slops and pizza?" Uh, <laughs> So I go home and I tossed out my other pitch. Um, and then, you know, um, basically being like, well, what can we make with a small team? Um, we didn't want to have AI. We didn't want to have network net code either. Um, so we just decided to make a party game. That's a very good option for, uh, a, you know, a game jam because everyone just kind of brings their own fun to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was a big fan of Samurai Gun. It was my uh, party game at the time. And uh, also way into Geometry Wars and Hotline Miami. So, yeah, those are great. So I can definitely see a lot of Hotline Miami in the some of the gun movement. Yeah, we're just kind of, um, you know, also just kind of like some of the, uh, the conversations I have with designers at Red Storm about tension and about how, like, when you have low health, the game becomes more tense. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we were just like, okay, well, let's just not have health. Everything's a one-hit kill and mm-hmm. classic arcade rules. Um, and then we were like, and they're sloths, and when they die, they drop slices of pizza. And then those are your points. <laughs> they take them back to your base, and that's how the game was born. That's that. That's the cool thing about a game. You don't have, doesn't have to make sense. Just, that's what yeah. happens. Except uh, man, I, wrote this, <laughs> I wrote down battle sloths, and I was like laughing at it. I just being like, I can't believe I'm going to pitch this game to these guys. Um, and so I made a, I, I made a Google doc and, um, it was just pictures of sloths and maybe like a few, like <laughs> two, one or two paragraphs about what the game was. Um, 
And not only that, like there's tons of stuff in this one little pitch that never made it even to the the game this to this day. Like there's just too much like we stripped down a lot of the game. Like if there was yeah. like a ghost there's like a ghost world that sloths could go to and you could fight uh, other sloth ghosts to like spot get get like an extra life back. This is like know. when we went to do the game cool. like oh. Um, yeah, you know, like that game Prey, where well, which one would it be? I guess the old Prey, where you would die and you would go to the ghost world. Um, yeah, was that Prey? You had to like fight a bunch of spirits to come back. I was just kind of like, that would be fun to have in like a, a shooter where um, you could kind of like fight other players who have lost all their lives. And if you can, you know, kick enough ghost butt, you could spawn back into the regular game. Mm-hmm. Um, so this never made it. This never that was going to be called. That was going to be like Sloth Valhalla, and was, <laughs> someday I like maybe, it. Someday I'm going to do that. Uh, uh, who knows? Who knows? So maybe this. Maybe we'll get to do a 3D version of the game that's online or something. Um, There's still no net code in the game to this day. It's online. It's uh just. I mean, at, at its heart, though, it's a party game. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, Let's see. I guess people might want to ask about the hoverboards because um, uh, someone in someone on the game jam team were like, "What's that? Uh, roller skates to the game?" And I was just kind of like, "Roller skates." I didn't want to say no because it's a game <laughs> jam, and I'm like, "Okay, well, this person's working on this game for free." So um, I was like, "Yeah, just you know what, go for it. Let's see what happens." Right. And so they put that in, and um, our artist made like a little skateboard for it we said these sloths had skateboards um and i when i got my hands on it i was like these don't really feel like skateboards i feel like hoverboards and we just kind of mm. all like looked at each other and then yep light <laughs> <laughs> bulb goes off yeah and then our artist started putting uh hoverboards in the game and then all of a sudden this game takes place in the future <laughs> that's where 2025 comes from yeah, uh, so the game jam went very well. Like we like kick butt after the game jam. People were playing this game for like two hours. Um, There's lots of presentations and our we had a really weird marketing campaign for ours where we had like and they all had names like Goat Slow Pace Killer was one of them was my my favorite one. Nice. Um, <laughs> and we had like a we had like a a, a fake start screen. That said, slow life, and it looked like kind of like a really cute. It was all these sloths kind of like sitting on a hill, and it was very peaceful music. I think we stole it from like Animal Crossing or something. Um, but when you <laughs> press start, tell. when you press start, uh, it, the colors shift into like a hellscape. Like there's like the the river was like a blood river. Like a bush was replaced by a pile of sloth skulls. <laughs> and all the sloths got weapons spawned through their hands and they start shooting into the air like crazy people and then the title so like disappears and battle sloths pops in and nice. all this metal music like like it was nuts that's awesome um, it was fucking crazy and i wish we found i wish we found a way to keep it in the game but um it's because it's like when you're trying to make a game a product you don't want to like hide what the game is when you're trying to tell people about yeah, it that's, that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, we immediately had people being like rushing up to the front to play the game. It's like, or we had a fully playable game with like almost no bugs. Um, how, well, we how had, long like, did that all take that whole, that time frame? Three or four days. 
Uh, we had three love. We had three or four levels. We had team. We had a team variation. You could play two v two, and uh, that was just. Damn. It, it went really well. Three or four days. Um, that's insane. That's amazing. And uh, about a week later, I added a nuke to the game, and mm-hmm. uh, the nuke. If you if y'all haven't checked out on the game yet, it's um. I guess this thing was inspired by that TV show Lost. Yeah, um, you know, like a spoiler alert. Uh, there's this like thing in the lost universe where people have to punch in this number mm-hmm. um, like every yeah. 24 hours or something. I push the button. <laughs> yeah, they had to push the button. <laughs> so, um, we, I was like thinking like, I'd love to, for this to be in the game. I was like, what if there was just a bomb in the center of the map and then if you didn't push the button, then uh, it would it kill explode. everyone. I, yeah, I saw someone do that during the uh, the Rooster Teeth playthrough. Yeah. Um, go through so, and disarm it. Yeah, so like a temporary piece, or sometimes people will defend the nuke if they want to catch up. So what we did is uh, that wow. when the nuke goes off, it um, kills everyone and cuts your score in half. Everyone's score in half. Mm. So if someone has twenty points and you have, you know, ten points, you get cut down to five. They get cut down to ten. So you have an opportunity to catch up. Yeah. Um, nice. But that that was a really I'm like super happy that. To keep that feature in the game that wasn't like too weird because um, right. i really love the nuke <laughs> no it's a cool dynamic for sure yeah i do i do like that mm-hmm. um yeah i guess shortly after that is when we started meeting michael and doing the rap songs and then the humble bundle thing and uh now we're kind of um working towards ports and um i guess my dream for the tournament branch is that we'll eventually have in-game brackets um mm-hmm. that'd be cool yeah we need some we need to get the community involved and in figuring out like how we're going to do that like how how what features would they would find most useful um and yeah uh, i mean that's a perfect use for discord absolutely yeah yeah so we're, we're gonna we're gonna be engaging the community about that nice very that's cool some cool stuff to look forward to yeah. <laughs> Um, so we've got we've kind of got the whole the whole story of a uh, battle sloss. Um, we're we're at our episode time. How long we usually run? Neil, did you mm-hmm. want to throw any um, any other questions or points? In there? Uh, not. Oh, oh. Did you want to throw anything else in there, Phil? Too. <laughs> so my cat I heard, heard, heard oh. Mishka down there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think. Uh, you know, we're we're just trying to get people fired up. Um, you know, come hang out with us in Discord. Uh, we're, continuing, we're continuing to support the game, and uh, we got some cool stuff on the way that I can't really talk about. Hopefully, within like the next Ooh. two, one or two months, mm-hmm. we'll be able to make announcements. Um, I know, I know we're excited about it. So yeah, I mean, playing uh, like seeing the game being played uh, looks insanely fun. Um, definitely want to hop on there and give it a shot. Um, if anyone watches any YouTube videos or, or gameplay, it becomes apparent that this is a great group game for sure. It's it's got high replayability. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's engaging. It doesn't take itself seriously, and that's a great thing. It's 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 just fun. Um, so we'll we'll definitely get all of your links posted in all of our socials and stuff. Um, what awesome. I would do is is say it on the podcast for us, just so people are listening, they can hear this, and they can just type it in if they want to. Just you know, as much. As much exposure as possible. So, if you want any, if you want to rattle off any important handles oh, or uh, channels or anything, uh, okay. So, um, on Twitter, we're Battle Slavs a while. 
And I am Invisible Thrill on Twitter. So if you all, y'all want to follow me, um, we are on Facebook as Battlesoft's Game. Let's see our Discord. We have a verified Discord. We're Battlesofts on Discord. Nice. So if you get, you do Discord.gg forward slash Battlesofts, end up in our our cool chat. Um, and uh, lots of lots of cool stuff will be going on there. Um, we do a daily. We do not a daily. We do a, a weekly dev stream on Wednesday nights. Usually our oh, artists nice. will our artists will create hats uh, from scratch. And if you can go into our nice. our chat and request the hat, he'll make it right there. And that that's awesome. Go. That was a, that, that was, was a selling point on your um, website. I just want to call out there. It was like it says something about like way too many hats. Yeah, <laughs> we have been. It's it was like a it's a UI nightmare because like we got over a thousand hats. We have a thousand one hundred hats in the game now. Oh, that is not so, hyperbole. There are a lot yeah. of hats. <laughs> That could be a lot of work. I'm all about the combat. I love the hats and everything, but I'm I'm there to, I'm there to murder sloths. Yeah, and so is everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. Well, Neil, I think uh, I think that's it. That's all well, I got. Wraps it up. Cool. Yeah, it's great hanging out, y'all. Thank oh, you. Yeah, for thank you so today, much, yeah. Phil. Yeah, it was great. Um, I am Trib Zero. You can find me on all of my socials at Trib Zero TV at slash whatever. That's that's always the end of it. And uh, I'm Neil. And I'm Neo Aoshi. You can find me at Twitter at Neo underscore Aoshi and Twitch at Neo Aoshi. No one. Excellent. Uh, again, thank you, Philip Johnson from Invisible Collective. Check out his game Battle Sloths 2025 on Steam and look for it in the future on other platforms. Um, pray for the Switch. Pray for the Switch. We need it on Switch. <laughs> uh, cool. All right, everyone. Um, see you later. Have a great day. See All you. Right. Take care.